Good day. This is Michael Muth of Going Global International Interviews. Today we're speaking with George Philly, who is a vice president in charge of product management for Navtech. Uh, you can learn more about Navtech at navtek.com. Uh, we're talking with George about internationalizing their digital mapping business. Uh, if you'd like to see edited transcripts of this interview, you'll find them at intlalliances.com or midwestbusiness.com. And we should be recording. Good deal. Um, speaking with George Philly, Vice President of Product Management at Navtech, and you might as well jump into it. I mean, in my mind, it always starts with organizational structure and management, mm -hmm. and Navtech, I think, is a, a great success story in terms of growing internationally in Chicago. How are you structured internationally? In other words, are your international operations wholly owned subsidiaries, branch offices, sales offices, joint ventures, partnerships? How are you organized? Well, um, we, we, we don't go into too much of the specifics of that, but I can tell you that it's almost like a portfolio where we have actually uh, acquired um, local companies to be able to get access to markets and as well as their capabilities to do mapping in particular areas. We do have joint ventures. Uh, one specifically that uh, we've done recently is in China. To be able to uh, be able to accelerate our deployment in China, and, and it's actually a great example of uh, clear understandings of what you need to do to do business in particular areas. It's obviously uh, easier to do business in China if you're working with local entities uh, because of the, the various regulations that they have. Uh, for the most part, though, what we do is. Uh, we do a combination of either sourcing through local content providers, outsourcing uh, different types of, of technical capabilities for, from uh, local consulting groups that could actually do uh, map collection based on our specifications. Excuse me, when you say local content providers, those are local providers of content of mapping information? Well, it, it actually, it, it goes the gambit of everything from, uh, so, so we have to delineate the difference between the online map, which is the road network, as well as the content that we use in relation to the map. So uh, the road network, which is critical from a navigational standpoint, we have to make a decision, a make versus buy decision, wherever we go. Uh, now, when, as a market matures, uh, for the most part, we, we believe it's important to have our own people on the ground to be able to make sure that we have local knowledge and that we are maintaining the quality control. Uh, when we're looking at initial builds, uh, we will make a decision based on the, the, uh, the time frames associated with when a product needs to get out, based on the availability of high-quality products. Uh, to be able to use what's already existing and modify it to our specification uh, or versus actually putting people in and building from scratch. The, the bottom line is, is that there's, there's two main requirements here. Uh, one is quality. The other is the specification. And when you talk about NAVTEC, one of the, the basic benefits that NAVTEC provides is a single specification for the navigable map. That's critical. In other words, the spec isn't included in the quality thing? In other words, I would think that you would specify the quality that you're looking for. Well, quality, sure. Well, well, quality is, uh, is, is, quality is a very generic term. Uh, the quality it has to do with accuracy. Quality has to do with standardization. So when you talk about the quality of the map, 
we're, we're talking about multiple issues that we're dealing with, right? Uh, one of the, when you when you look at it from your customer's eyes, one of the most important things you can do is provide them with a standardized understanding of what it means to have a map in any particular country. We could create uh, a map based on local ways of doing things, but what that does is it creates a uh, another level of activity that our customer would have to do to be able to modify their either modify their application to the the content they're seeing or do a different um, build for that particular content the way it's formatted. What we try to do is, uh, because our customers have, uh, quite frankly, grown from regional entities to global entities, we try to create uh, and have done so, created a standard specification that allows the customer to be able to build a single application that can be used anywhere. That has significant implications from a cost standpoint, from a time to market perspective, so it, it's a huge uh, benefit to our customers. Okay. And I guess... Um, in allocating your resources worldwide, mm -hmm. do you do your resources mirror your revenues on a country by country basis? Do you source things in certain places and just have sales offices in other places? Um, you know, how do you allocate your resources within NASTAC internationally? Well, it, it, like um, like any business, it, it's it's actually it's done right. It's actually a mix. So we have. Uh, ongoing operational requirements to maintain the quality because you have to, and sorry to take a step back, but when we're talking about a map, the one thing that people need to understand normally is that uh, as soon as a version of the map is done, it's begun changing. The world is not static. So new roads are developed, new uh, uh, subdivisions are created, well, one ways turn into two ways, two ways turn into one ways. Uh, term restrictions are added, new businesses open up and close. So for us, uh, what, what we have to do is, uh, depending upon the level of business, we have in the size of the populations, um, as well as the maturity of the marketplaces, we have to allocate resources to make sure that we maintain the quality that, uh, that our customers expect. Uh, when when you look at uh, you know our commitment, our commitment is to uh, to continue with the same level of quality ongoing. So um, the the real question from uh, a resource allocation standpoint is normally what what does it take to effectively be able to maintain that quality? That has to do with the size of the population. It has to do with uh, the uh, the intensity of the road network, number of kilometers of roads that are, uh, are in a particular area, um, the, the you know the concentration of populations. Because uh, normally the the amount of uh, driving and navigating that is being done is, is normally centered around major metropolitan areas, the vast majority. So if you've got a country that has um, you know significant population centers. Uh, that are going to require ongoing maintenance, there's a high probability that we are going to create a local office in that area. If it's a island, let's call it the Virgin Islands, right, there's, uh, there's probably more of the, uh, a chance that what we will do is periodically bring individuals in to be able to drive that area because it can be done very quickly to maintain that quality level. So our resources, uh, when you talk about mature Areas. Our resources are based on 
uh, you know, the, the maintaining of the quality as well as the expectations of our customers, which normally translates to the amount of business that they do in a particular area. When you're looking at new areas of business, so uh, this year, as an example, we're launching India. Right? We will make a decision in that case to say, okay, we need local knowledge. There are individuals in that country that have local knowledge. Let's take advantage of that so that while we're coming up to speed, we can use the, the, the highest level of expertise available and we'll take advantage of those resources to be able to do our first implementation. So we're, we're doing a launch this uh, this month, uh, or excuse me, this quarter of the initial six cities in India, and they're expanding out to nine in, uh, by Q3. And we're using a company uh, in India to do that. Uh, as our India property grows, there's probably a high level of expectation that we would open up a local uh, office there because of the size of India as well as the business opportunity there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like you're there yet. In other words, still working with your partners, but open your own office soon. Well, it, it, it's all dependent upon the expectations and the level of uh, the, the level of uh, business requirements there on an ongoing basis, as well as the expectations for growth. So, I, what I don't want to give you is a, a, a pat answer. Sure. It, it, it all depends upon what the requirements are and the expectations of our customers. Uh, it, it can also be what we strategically believe is the right thing to do. Uh, at times, we'll, we'll take a leadership position and develop particular areas that we believe need to be in place before the market matures. Okay. Um, I believe you cover 58 countries right now, but only have offices in 27. How do you cover the remaining 30 countries where you don't have offices? Well, 59. Oh, sorry. And, and actually, if you were to... Uh, Take into account that our newest release, which is called Entry Map, we actually have a global footprint of map coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I will answer your question, but the, the point is um, that uh, we actually do cover the world. Mm -hmm. um, when, when you look at navigable maps, this goes back to that original response that I had for you, it, it all depends upon the level of frequency and the amount of effort that's required in a particular area. We are an ongoing business and have to make sure that we're allocating resources appropriately. And what you can do, especially when you have contiguous states, countries, you can consolidate resources in a particular area and be able to handle the region. So when you, when you see that, you know, 50% of the countries that we have navigable maps in uh, have local offices, that may not be as strange as it sounds. Sure. So in other words, I assume, you know, you can cover uh, Belgium, Luxembourg, the Netherlands from one office. There you Exactly. 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 Different places in China. You know, that's right. Exactly. Just trying to make sure. Um, now, you have 2,200 employees and 140 offices in 27 countries. Mm -hmm. That's pretty widely dispersed. How do you manage all those people? In other words, pretty centralized, pretty decentralized. You know, do you have people here in Chicago who are overseeing those kinds of things? How do you manage that? Well, it's, uh, it's actually broken out first into logical um, organizational structures. So we have, uh, as an example, we have a math division that has responsibility for uh, product management, production, and field activities. Uh, I report into the person that, that runs that organization. Uh, while the, the head of that organization resides in Chicago, 
that organization is broken out regionally depending upon where the, the, the major focuses of our activities are. So we have um, concentrated uh, activities in Asia Pacific, concentrated activities in Europe, and in the Americas. And what we do is we have a hierarchical structure of uh, managers uh, that, from a, from a field standpoint, that manage at a country level all the way up to a regional level and then feed into a global level. So actually it's very important, especially on the field side, to make sure that local knowledge is there. Uh, it can be the difference between a, a you know, inadequate versus a, an adequate map. Uh, you know, understanding the, the nuances can make all the difference in the world, and there's no way you can do that from, you know, a seat in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess alternatively, so in other words, you've got local regional folks filtering up to Chicago, but then you run into the issue, uh, you know, how much attention do you pay to the United States and North America versus the rest of the world? Now, granted, a lot of your revenues come from EMEA, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, um, but it's just... It's an issue. Well, How do you maintain the focus on the It could be if, uh, if we didn't have a mindset on our customers. So when you, when you look at our customer base, uh, whether it's the automotive industry or it's the Internet wireless uh, world or it's the, uh, the new devices that are popping up, the, the portable navigation devices, uh, cell phones, things of that nature, the vast majority of those companies are either international or global. And their expectations are that uh, not only are we providing product, but we're providing the, the logical knowledge and the local expertise to be able to make sure that their products are satisfactory because they are basing the success of their product on the accuracy of our database. So uh, for us, when, when you look at it, whether you look at it from a monetary standpoint or you look at it purely from a customer satisfaction perspective, we can't afford to be myopic from a, of the Chicago perspective, or even an America's perspective. And, and actually, our organizations are broken up regionally to make sure that that's exactly what doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how much time do we have? Uh, I probably have another 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. So, um, I think I'll skip through a couple questions, and if we have to come back to them, you want to address them via email, that's okay. Um, moving on to international business development. How do you prioritize which countries to enter when? Okay. That, that's actually, uh, that's not an easy question to answer because, it, it, uh, quite frankly, it, it's a battle. Mm -hmm. And that, that is where you, uh, you have to uh, juggle strategic priorities, customer-specific priorities, segment, customer-segment priorities, uh, all together against what's the right thing to do from a business perspective. So when, when you look at it, you know, nobody has um, infinite resources, right? Uh, so what we try to do is, uh, you know, we try to make sure that at, at a minimum, the first thing we try to do is uh, make sure that, our, uh, that we're maintaining our commitments in terms of levels of quality. Um, so that, that translates into when we're doing a particular country, uh, what, what is it going to take to do that country? Uh, we then uh, also, we, we make sure that we're maintaining our commitments to our customers that we state if, if you know, like anyone else, we will get um, RFQs, request for proposals, right, to, to do particular things. We feel when we go into a contractual agreement with the customer, well, 
that's the highest level of priority that we can make. We're saying we will meet your commitments. You're putting yourself on the line to say that you, were going to, you Mr. Customer, are going to uh, provide a product to the marketplace. We have to be a part of your product plan. So that, that prioritization occurs as well, right? Um, but there's also uh, strategic things that we need to do where uh, while there may be a requirement to do, uh, let's say, uh, Australia, but we know from a from a, a regional standpoint that to do Australia really isn't enough. You need to do Australia and New Zealand, that, you know, or Southeast Asia. You can't just do Singapore. You have to do Malaysia. You have to do Indonesia. So our prioritization can also be dependent upon the commitments that we've made and then the logical understanding of where you need to go. Um, but there, there's also business prioritization that needs to occur. It, it is clear to us that Eastern Europe is a very significant uh, opportunity for, from a navigational standpoint. And therefore, um, we logically know that we have to prioritize Eastern Europe and have done so. So we're rolling out Hungary, Czech, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, Poland. Uh, so we know that regionally we, we can't just do Poland. We have to do that whole band of countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, quite frankly, uh, it, it comes down to uh, economics as well. So where is the, the biggest bang for the buck from a revenue standpoint? Uh, our sales organization is one of the key inputs on that as well as our customers in terms of where they believe, you know, over 12 to 24 months where uh, new opportunities exist. We put all those things together and, and make rational uh, judgments in terms of what we have to do first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, when I think business development, that says to me partnerships. Um, and I've got to believe NASTEC is very heavily dependent on partnerships in a lot of different areas. Internationally, which partners are most important to NASTEC and why? Well, if you don't mind, could you define partner? Well, I guess when I think of NASTEC, um, you know, you have to have hardware partners because you have to integrate what you do within cell phones, within automobile dashboards, those kinds of things. Uh-huh. I also got to believe you have to have partners with the network providers because what you have to do has to be able to work mm-hmm. over wireless networks, satellite networks, you know, whatever else you do. Sure. Um, and I would be surprised if there are certain parts of software that you don't work with other people to develop as well. I mean, are there other kinds of partners that I'm missing in looking at those kinds no, of things? No, actually, uh, that's very, uh, you, you have a very good sense of how this works. So, uh, there, it, it actually is uh, segment specific. So, when uh, when you talk about the automotive industry, which was our, and, and still to, to a certain extent is, uh, one of our prime, it is our primary business uh, from the standpoint of um, revenues in terms of the largest segment. But it's a great example in terms of the fact where uh, the, the car manufacturers uh, provide a, a single system, right? It's, it's embedded. It, uh, now it's, you know, it's enclosed. It doesn't require what you were talking about, right? Now, you could, in fact, at times have to deal with system vendors where the car company is saying, uh, you know, you have to deal with the entity that is actually developing the product. So the kind that you would afford to do with Delco. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that's a good example where uh, you're, you're dealing with the, the provider of the system that that is embedded into the, the device, and we're not actually dealing with the automotive manufacturer. Uh, so in that case, there, there's still, you know, at most two people or two entities that we'd be working with. 
Uh, at times, depending upon the level of maturity of the marketplace, uh, our organization will actually help to create a value chain. So we will work to be able to make sure that the, the middleware uh, entity is in place, the application developers are, are um, uh, being uh, fostered and matured, and, and actually, if we had time, I could talk to you about some of the very creative things our company has done, uh, one of them being the um, LDS Challenge, where we're actually fostering the development of application developers, putting them in front of the wireless carriers, the venture capitalists, so it's a good example of how we create an ecosystem to be able to get to the end user. Not us get to the end user, but actually a solution get to the end user. Because the last thing we want to do is just sell our content. That doesn't go anywhere. What you have to have is you actually have to have everything that goes in front of it to be able to create actually a solution that an end user would use. In the absence of that, you've got components. And it doesn't go Right. So when you're talking about the internet portals, though, normally you're just dealing with the ISP themselves because they're developing mapping require, uh, you know, for their mapping engines, and you can normally work directly with them. Uh, when uh, we have dealt in the past with device manufacturers, we have at times uh, provided them insights in terms of application developers who are available that they might be able to work with. Uh, we've also uh, worked with individuals that uh, didn't have location-aware uh, technologies and actually pointed them to chipset manufacturers so that they could create a device that actually could take advantage of our map. Uh, so we do a lot of that partnering. Uh, but again, it, 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 it has a lot to do with the maturity of the marketplace. So as the marketplace matures, the level of that activity can diminish. Okay, so for example, um, obviously, you're all over Yahoo Maps here in the States yeah, and North America. Great but, you know, I, I use my home page, Yahoo Asia, because mm -hmm. um, I use four different browsers and I use different Yahoo home pages for each different browser. And in Yahoo Asia, you guys don't offer maps there yet. Uh, I don't know if you do in Yahoo okay. Germany either. And so, in other words, it doesn't sound like Yahoo is necessarily your biggest or most important partner. Um, no, that's that not true. Actually, uh, Yahoo is is, uh, is truly a great customer of ours. Um, we we work closely with them. They have their requirements, uh, and uh, what we try to do is we try to get a clear understanding. Again, this gets into levels of prioritization, uh, where they're looking to go, how that relates to what they're trying to do, as well as all the other customers, not only in their space but in all the other spaces that we deal with. And hopefully we can provide a product that they're interested in using. Uh, when you look at our Asia properties, uh, it, while it is not as, uh, as extensive as our um, Europe, Middle East, and Africa properties, it is actually growing significantly. Uh, we uh, have uh, grown some properties in, uh, in Taiwan, South Korea, um, like I told you about the India uh, release that we're doing, Australia, New Zealand this year, uh, you know, the, the list goes on. So uh, as our properties extend, the value that, that we bring, again, from the standpoint of uh, standardized look and feel, uh, standardized formats, the quality uh, levels, uh, it's logical that our customers will take a look at us and say, okay, it makes sense for us to use a single source. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
Now, I did see in, I believe, with some of your strategic direction for 2007 that expanding your geographic footprint is a priority. Mm -hmm. Are there any countries that you haven't mentioned yet that are priorities? I mean, it sounds like Southeast Asia, India, you know, those areas are priorities. Any other place that's worth mentioning? Sure. We have uh, in Q4, well, Eastern Europe is obviously one, and in Q4 this year, we, uh, last year, excuse me, we launched Russia. Uh, and uh, uh, we have uh, coverage in the Moscow, St. Petersburg area, and are expanding out significantly this year. Uh, we have uh, South Africa as a uh, kind of like a, a, a central point in, in Africa, and we're actually expanding to the, the power countries around South Africa this year. Uh, Middle East is, is very important to us. We've got coverage uh, in... Uh, and I can get you the list of all the countries there, but Saudi Arabia, Dubai, and we're expanding out to Jordan this year. Uh, I, I did mention uh, India, uh, but uh, in, uh, in South America, we have uh, expanded our coverage in Brazil. Uh, we've got coverage in um, the whole area between Sao Paulo, uh, Belo Horizonte, and Rio de Janeiro. And actually, have uh, we're creating a, a, a hybrid map that is between a combination of our navigational map in those um, high concentration populated areas, as well as the, the entry map that I talked about, so we can provide a full coverage or, or a, a full uh, full coverage is not a good word because it denotes uh, a, a particular level of coverage. But uh, we're, we'll provide blanket coverage of, of Brazil with varying levels of navig navigational capabilities in, in Brazil. But uh, the, the, those are just examples of the fact that we are, in fact, uh, not only expanding with this, uh, this global footprint that I talked about, which is entry map, but we have every intention, intention of uh, expanding our navigational map. And it's actually, uh, the demand is, is uh, there's a lot of pressure for us to do that. I can understand that. Um, now, in GPS devices, mm -hmm. tapping into cell phones and other things that are attached to people. Are there any personal privacy issues that you run into in Europe, and how do you deal with them? Well, there's there's a difference between, uh, for example, in, in Europe is is a good example, but I think that the same privacy issues are. are um, seen in America as well, but what, uh, th there's, a, there's a difference between a device being location aware and versus that device's location being made aware to a third party. So when you look at cell phones that have location awareness, uh, the, the, the primary driver for that was not for navigation. Excuse me. The primary driver for that was, uh, at least in the United States, originally it was for the E911 initiative, right? So that was when something, when a, a situation, an emergency situation pops up, that individual's location can be provided in addition to the information that they're providing when they hit 911, right? Um, that's, that's different. That's transferring the location to a third party to say, here's where I'm at. Uh, when you talk about navigation, um, that's really an end user saying, I am opting into a product that I am looking for a service. That service is to navigate me from one point to another. The fact that they are the ones that are initiating that service, 
even if it is connected and that that, that loan is being generated in the infrastructure, suggests that they're making the decision to say that it's okay for that activity to occur. When you start getting into uh, behind-the-scenes activities, I, I, you know, I, I actually believe that the serious concern that everybody needs to address in terms of how location uh, information is used. So, I mean, for example, you know, if you're walking by a restaurant and the restaurant starts sending something to your cell phone, you know, here's a coupon if you come in and buy lunch. Right. But that has to be an opt-in service. So if, 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 I mean, I'm just saying from the standpoint, think about it from the carrier's perspective. Uh, these individuals have choices, right? And even more so now when you look at uh, number portability, if, if an individual can say, you are not making me happy by spamming me, then I, as a consumer, can just leave. That activity in itself is a, a significant deterrent to um, carriers doing that. Now, that doesn't mean that an individual wouldn't want to be able to set preferences and filters and triggers that allow certain types of things to pop their way. I have interest, and if, if uh, you know, uh, I like to, tra to, uh, to collect antique trains. I would have absolutely no problem anywhere I'm at getting a text message that says, you know, a blue comment is available, <laughs> right? Sure. In that case, I'm totally cool on having my location be aware. Now, mm -hmm. uh, the individual has to be able to opt in or else, it, it, you know, quite frankly, not only the, the, the privacy issue, which is a huge one, uh, is, is, it has to be addressed. But beyond that, it, you're, you're just putting so much stress on an individual in terms of, of the, the, you know, of the bombardment of information that it becomes a business problem. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some natural pushback that will occur that these services have to be really bought out before they get to the people are getting these days. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's in giving It's absolutely. You know, a common means of communication. Absolutely. But the, the, the other side of this, which is, you know, we're, we're talking about um, really a revolution that's, a, that's occurring, is, and that is the, the fact that uh, what GPS and location capability does is it allows individuals to take advantage of the world around them. I've lived in this city vast majority of my life, and I can tell you I probably have only scratched the surface of what the city offers. What location relevance allows you to do in conjunction with all the content we provide is be able to, is be, is to be able to allow individuals to be able to slice and dice what they want to do and then have these technologies provide them with the information of where these things can be satisfied, right? Historical, entertainment, sports. So the enablement is, is incredible. The privacy issues have to be addressed, but uh, there's some very exciting times ahead of us from a, a consumer satisfaction perspective. Nice. Cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, just looking at revenues and stuff, I assume Latin America is included within your America's revenue total. Uh -huh. But I guess my assumption there is most of that is the U.S. And it does appear as if your revenues in Asia are proportionally much smaller than other places in the world. Why is that? And, and if and when do we expect that to end? I, I'm, um, I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about our breakout of revenues, okay. uh, but, but I can tell you that um, the, the concentration of our activities historically 
were in Europe and in North America. And that had a lot to do with uh, where our original primary market was, which was the, the in-vehicle marketplace. So in-vehicle navigation, I believe, started around in 1985, we, um, or 86. We started our, our company in 85. And uh, the primary focus of those, of those activities outside of Japan were in Europe and uh, Western Europe and America. So it's a natural conclusion that, you know, as those markets have matured, that's where the vast majority of our revenues uh, came from historically. Uh, the fact of the matter is, though, now, is that uh, devices are all becoming location aware. If you went to CES, you'd see that, you know, if it was a device, somebody was talking about how do I put, you know, location relevance uh, as a part of it. What that does is that allows those manufacturers to be able to add this capability on wherever their reach is from a distribution standpoint. And as I stated, they're all global. Yeah. So uh, it, it, there's every expectation that the distribution of our business will reflect the distribution of all these new devices. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and you've already mentioned that you entered Brazil, Russia, India, and working on China. Well, actually, China, we, uh, we've had for a couple of years now. We've got coverage in over 300 cities, and if I'm not mistaken, we're growing to over 700 cities um, by the end of this year. Okay. Uh, that, that is uh, a, the joint venture I was talking about um, that I'm sure we can provide more information on. So China, we, we, uh, we're thrilled about the opportunity in China. The, the, you know, the economy there is booming. People are, you know, are all using cell phones. There's, there's huge opportunities. The automotive industry is just churning out cars left and right. Uh, we're very, very excited about the opportunity there. Do you guys have to worry about any of the intellectual property issues there? or It's a different business. It, it, it's one of the primary reasons, and again, I, uh, I have to make sure that, um, uh, you know, but the, the, one of the primary reasons we did the joint venture is because of the, the need for a local entity, and uh, there are different ways of doing business that we have to do uh, relative to how the Chinese government structures things. So uh, it, it, is, it is a unique scenario for us. Okay. Um, and I know that you're in charge of product development, so just moving along quickly to some international product development issues. Um, you talked about the partnerships, and, and I think that translates over to components in your solution. Does any of that change on a country-by-country -country basis? In other words, talked about the hardware side where you're embedding in, in dash kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Is working with the Daimler side any different than working with Chrysler? Is working with T-Mobile in Germany different from working with Verizon or Singular or AT&T here in the States? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Sure. So, you know, actually, if you were to create a Venn diagram, and uh, the first part is uh, the, the holistic view of all the content that we provide, um, what, what gets overlaid on top of that is based on the capabilities of the devices or the infrastructure that these different customers use, they have the ability to either take advantage of everything that we offer or a subset of what we offer. Uh, they also, um, entities can also have specific requirements for additional content that we have to, um, to support. And normally that has less to do with the, uh, the road network 
and more to do with uh, the, the types of embellishment and uh, additional content around points of interest, uh, you know, uh, textual information about uh, different types of uh, tourist destinations. So what we need to do at, at times is make a decision, do we want to collect it ourselves, or do we go out and source uh, agreements with providers of content that can uh, satisfy those customer needs. So the unique uh, nature of the, the differences between one country and another uh, can be around the content that lays on top of the road network. But again, for us, uh, the, the primary functional capability uh, goes to the heart of navigation. So we've got a, uh, a core understanding of what's required to be able to get uh, effectively from point A to point B and uh, be able to manage the changes that happen as you're driving. That requires a certain level of common technology wherever you go. And then above and beyond that, uh, we have requirements where customers are saying, you know what, I want to improve that by uh, including street signs or street lights. And then we make a, an assessment based on the, the, the market opportunity. Do we need to add that additional attribute to be able to satisfy that customer need? And that's where you, you get into some of the, the specialized differences between one country and another. But at the underlying road network, it's, it's pretty much the same. Okay. Um, I mean, can you give some examples where there's some differences in variability? For example, you know, I lived in work in Germany. I would bet people are putting on their cell phone, let me know when I'm close to a Polana beer garden or something. You know, are there other differences like that? Well, see, what's interesting about that is you have to remember uh, that we are a provider of a database of what that, what you did, the, the, uh, the scenario that you just, that's at the application, that's at the application level. Mm -hmm. but, but that is at the heart of um, when we when we look at some of the activities that our customers are asking for, especially like with visualization. So uh, one of the things that we're bringing to market this year is 3D visualization of the environments around, um, you know, the road network, uh, 3D landmarks. So see the Eiffel Tower or the, um, you know, the, the uh, Chicago Bears Stadium, right, so that it can pop up as a visual landmark that people can, can reference. Uh, those types of things are, are, are unique, interesting product differentiators, but depending upon the device, you may not be able to utilize them, or they may have to utilize them in a different way. They may have to have all of that significant um, content from a memory standpoint, storage uh, requirement, up at a server. Mm -hmm. So there are things that the, the our customers may need to do to take advantage of what we provide, but it's really at the device and at the application level where they have to make the modifications or uh, create the different types of solution sets that you're talking about. For us, it's a decision of, uh, you know, what do we need to include to satisfy the marketplace? It's the marketplace's, uh, you know, it's the, the solution provider's decision of what they want to take advantage of relative to what we provide. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I guess... Um, you know, just to come back on the telecom part of it, I mean, I know Verizon is CDMA, Singular, T-Mobile, or GSM. Right. I assume you can work with any and both anywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, kinds of technology. And, and that's, a, okay. that's a great example where uh, in the CDMA environment in, in the Americas, they, they have an embedded GPS chip uh, by design. They made a decision to go with device-centric uh, location awareness versus infrastructure-based. Uh, 
that caused the problem for the GSM carriers. Uh, my understanding, though, is that the GSM carriers are now making the decision to move towards chipset integration into their devices because they're recognizing the value of location, um, referencing location-relevant capabilities in their device, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in either case, whether they did that or not, uh, they could still utilize our database. Even if they didn't have location capability, they could still have a map of any particular city center and allow the individual to put in where they are and then take advantage of the database to say what's relevant around them. Or how do you get, just like in a map plus environment, where do I want to go, where am I at, how do you get there, and have that information downloaded to them. So you can always get around technical barriers. It just means that, you know, it's an additional level of activity that the end user or the infrastructure has to, to take into account if the solution is going to be provided. Well, going to pay for it. Well, they have a lot to do with it, too. Absolutely. Um, are there other things that differ either in your solutions or how you work? In other words, are there different things in the data that you work with or provide on a country basis? Well, again, for us, it's really, really important. Uh, I mean, we listen to our customers, and for them, standardization is key. So uh, while there may be differences in the level of coverage that we have because, again, of the maturity. So if we just launch a country, but there is a, a high probability that um, because of the requirements of our customers to have something, that it's not uh, a fully detailed coverage of a particular country. But we have a roadmap of getting there. So the level of coverage may be uh, different based on the maturity of that marketplace, but the structure of the data based on what level they're in is the same. Because, again, uh, you, you know, the last thing we want to do is put on our customers the requirement of managing the differences between one country and another. Okay, then alternatively, how do you localize what you do? In other words, are there good interfaces that you need to do, um, convert things from metric to English, um, you know, other numerical things? Some people use a, a point, other people use a comma. Um, you know, levels of detail. What other stuff First off, we do things in, um, in local language. Uh, we'll also provide, you know, English as an example, but uh, we recognize that if you're, uh, if you're going to, uh, to be doing business in uh, a particular country that you're going to want to make sure that the, the customers that are buying it can actually use it, right? So uh, there is, that, that is a great example. So uh, we will develop products that allow for character versus for, um, you know, standard, um, you know, Roman language, uh, you know, alphabet, right? So we, we have to do those types of, of unique uh, modifications, but the structure is the same, you know. So, so there's also tweaking that you have to do. So in the UK, there's a, a reverse on the, the traffic flow, right? Uh, left versus right. I mean, obviously, that's a good thing to probably yeah, put it yeah. right. So the, the, the things of that nature, absolutely, we have to take into account. And that actually is one of the, um, the reasons why we do put people on the ground because, you know, quite frankly, those nuances, at times are only known by the individuals that are in the country themselves, right? A person in Chicago is not necessarily going to understand what a norm is. 
And so we do have to take those things into account. I mean, when I'm talking about standardization, I'm really talking about the, the, um, the, the fields that are in the database, the structure of the database itself. Uh, the, the developer needs to understand that when they're creating that specific GUI interface that's reflective of the, the country, that they don't have to worry about the architecture as they move from one country to another. So our customers will create products that will allow individuals to choose five or six languages to use, right? And that in, in that case, it's even more important that they understand that as they're making all these modifications at the top level, at the application level, that there's not differences in the databases that would create a very complex matrix of solution sets that they would have to, to put in the place. No, I, mean, I understand what you're talking about because I worked in an analogous situation. I worked for AT Nielsen Marketing Research. Oh. And uh, I worked with Pepsi. And Pepsi was interesting. And, you know, you can contrast it with Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola and Pepsi would get reports from each individual country sharing their data to different numbers. In other words, in Germany, they may share soda drinks with beer. In France, they may share their numbers with water. In Italy, they may share it with fruit juices. So at headquarters locations, you get a lot of numbers that are shared to different things and don't make any sense. Sure. So what we had to do was create a common definition for soft drinks in all these countries so you can compare market share numbers on a country-by-country -country basis to a common definition. Absolutely. Same kind of thing. Yep. Um, however, how are we doing time-wise? Uh, yeah, probably about 15 minutes. Right. Well, I'll skip that. Is there anything that NAVTEC has done internationally that has changed what you've done in product development? In other words, are there things that other locations have taught you that have enhanced something, things that you've learned from other places that have, have led you to not do something in another place? Now, how has the international part of your product development made a contribution? Well, um, if we look at it from a global standpoint, the requirements uh, can be different in terms of uh, what the, the uh, customer base is expecting. Mm -hmm. So as an example, um, there, there, uh, out of Europe, there was a, uh, a primary requirement um, recently for visualizations, uh, talking about 3D. Uh, so when we see an opportunity that uh, pops up where a particular area is saying, this is something we want to do, Right? We look at that and don't look at that regionally. We look at it not only from the, the customer's perspective at a regional level, we also see if it's logical at a, a worldwide level. But the, the reverse is true also of, uh, of the Americas, you know, anywhere we're going. So recently, we've gotten into the realm of pedestrian navigation. Okay, that, that's a unique product that uh, we launched last year in, uh, well, actually, I think we launched it uh, officially uh, this first quarter in CES, but we can, if we can sign it out. But in any case, uh, here, here's an example where uh, we are taking navigation to the next level. Normally, this has been a mobile experience when you're in a vehicle going from point A to point B. Um, what we were hearing and uh, was that, you know, that's not good enough. You need to be able to extend the navigation experience to the individual as they move from the vehicle to where they actually wanted to go. Well, that opened up whole opportunities in terms of, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that you literally just still use the road network? Well, if you did, when somebody walks, 
it's a completely different set of criteria for getting to point A to point B because of things like turn restrictions or, you know, you can walk through a park versus you have to go on a road and, and you know, go around a highway. Um, so it, it set up a whole different uh, set of experiences that, uh, and, and requirements that we had to put in place for the Americas. What we immediately did, though, was uh, say and, and document these are the requirements for the U.S. Right? We then take that information and we, we provide it to our other regions. So in Europe, and we go, okay, you need to validate that that information is one relevant, and two, does it need to be modified to be reflective of uh, of the countries that are being um, supported in in Europe? And in fact, there were nuances in terms of um, more importance for uh, multimodal trains, right? So if you look at the U.S., highly mobile, everybody has a vehicle. In Europe, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that there, there's uh, significant more use of, uh, of like, things like bicycles, trains. So the need for that type of information, while important in America, was more important in Europe. So a launch of a product in Europe um, would require more information along those lines. So we try to learn from what we're doing. First, as a, a primary, this is what we think is important here. Does it translate? But the one thing we don't want to do is, uh, what was the, the old grade school, um, grad school deal with? Um, Chevy Nova. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. But but it, it's like you know that's only logical now. But if you're not speaking Spanish, if you don't know Spanish, it's like you know it's a cute name. Great. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Good. Also, I've gotten me that there are places in the world where there are geographies that are difficult to deal with. In other words, how do you overcome those? In other words, where you know South Africa. Mm -hmm. How do we must be an infrastructure challenge for you? Or at least if you're expanding into other places in Africa, Jordan, you mentioned, um, can you get the same level of coverage and detail in those less developed kind of places? Um, well, the answer is yes. But the, we we uh, we the, it, it, it comes down to levels of resources required. It also comes down to sources that are required. At times. You know, we do a combination of driving, uh, of getting information from local governmental sources. We'll do aerial photography. Uh, so the, the combination of all these different sources come together to be able to create a, a composite map that can be used for navigation. The, the, the terrain uh, can, can be one impact. The political situation can be another. The the, uh, the environment there, from the standpoint of you know, if there's a conflict in the area, can be an issue. We have to take all those things into account in terms of uh, you know the difference between saying we want to do something and can we do something. Mm -hmm. But the amount of effort, uh, you know, from the standpoint of the process, it, it, it can be the same wherever you go. It's just, you know, how much resources are required and what are the issues we have to deal with based on the country. Well, I mean, can you mention an example where a political environment wasn't amenable to what you do and, and might have prevented you from going someplace or, or there was something you had to overcome to enter that? Well, I, um, China was a great example where uh, we, we were required to do a joint venture to be able to – we couldn't just go in and map – their country, right? There are restrictions on, on doing things like that, right? 
So for us, because we felt it was important to go to China, that we knew that we needed to have um, a relationship, and it had to be a particular type of relationship. Now, that type of, of activity does happen all the time. So the, depending upon the, the amount of influence that the government has on business in their country, uh, it, the, the necessity to use local sources and the type of relationship we have with those local sources can change. So it is something that we have to deal with all the time. Now, the other thing is, is that, you know, all times there are conflicts in a particular area, and that's just something we can't deal with. And, you know, it's basically we, we create portions majeures um, clauses in our, our <laughs> contracts saying, you know, we're not going to put our, our uh, employees in jeopardy. Sure. Okay. Um... Yeah, I think you've got to skip some things to get through this. Ah, I saw that you made uh, acquisitions of the Map Network and Traffic.com, but it appears as if they're pretty United States or North American centric. Is there anything that you're going to be able to do to internationalize those acquisitions? Um, actually, no, we don't. Can't even tell on that? Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, but right, we can't. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, I know that you work with government. Are there some governments throughout the world that are more progressive in implementing your solutions? Because what I saw on the website was, you know, federal, state, and local, but I didn't see it international. But well, I think there are some other foreign governments. That we, we do, um, and, and I'm not sure which, uh, again, what we're allowed to talk about from a customer standpoint. But in, 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 in Western Europe, I mean, we do have governmental customers um, as well. Uh, I, I think I'd rather more progressive or even just general. I, I think I'd rather defer on that. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, map reporter. I believe it's a service where people can give you feedback on right. things that are interesting. Is there any place in the world where they're more emphatic about that? Um, I, I would argue right now because of the nature of the internet. Uh, and the the community-based uh, concepts that people are generating, the, the, the United States is probably the most uh, forward-thinking in terms of individuals coming and saying, I've got a problem or this should be changed. So the U.S. is, is really at the forefront of that. Mm -hmm. But we don't, we don't see that as being um, something that, that, we see that as being something that will be globalized. So. Uh, as people become more familiar with mapping, uh, as people start uh, seeing it as more of a personal reflection of who they are and what they do, uh, our expectation, and the reason why we put that on our website, which is global, is to allow for individuals to be able to, to help us uh, to, to make sure that our map is the best it can be. You mentioned the countries after the U.S. Is there any way to identify that? Uh, I, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we could try to find that information out for you. I don't have any statistics. I don't have the actual data on that. Okay. And I know that you have a network for developers. Yes. Are there any particular countries that are most active in the network for developers as well? Um, you know what? Uh, if we could get can, can good question. It, um, the guy, the right person to answer that is Mark Nadell. Yep. 
and uh, Mark runs that program. Uh, we actually we started that program in America, and we've gotten significant traction in Western Europe. Uh, I believe we're expanding it out to Asia as well, uh, but we need to know specifically which countries. It's actually more application-based. I can tell you that uh, a, the, the significant number of the application developers are in Germany and uh, France and uh, I believe in the UK. Uh, there's also a lot of application work done in the, the Nordic countries. Um, you earlier mentioned the LDS challenge, although it appears you need to separate Europe and America. If it's global, why separate Well, we don't, uh, we don't actually separate developers participating in any one of those activities. Uh, it really has a lot more to do with um, there are, at the application level, there are differences between the applications that make it or don't make it in Europe versus America. So any application, while our database uh, is the same, applications do need to be different. There are, there are specific requirements in terms of user interfaces. I mean, even you know, Germany, you know, uh, Germans are, are very into the technical aspects of things, and their idea of a user interface is completely different from somebody that would be in the middle of Des Moines, Iowa. So what we try to do is we try to, uh, the, the reason for the, the, uh, the program is to get application developers in front of the individuals that are actually going to make business happen. So we try to regionalize it to give them the opportunity to focus in on what's important for that marketplace. It, that does not preclude them from doing it in any one of the regions that we offer the, the program in. We actually support that. Mm -hmm. Any brief comparison? I know you work for Motorola. Comparing their international operations with NASDAQ. Well, Motorola is a, is a manufacturing organization, and we're a database organization. I'm not sure that there's a lot of parallels. I, from a, a production standpoint, I can tell you that you know Motorola, and I, you know, again, concerns about saying things, but Motorola was always steeped in quality. And uh, there, there is a, uh, a true uh, just uh, affinity for, uh, you know, the same, same things of importance. For us, quality is king. Uh, and so I, I, would, I would argue that there's a, a significant similarity there between the two companies. Okay. And um, anything that you can expect new from NASCAP internationally in terms of products, mentioned geographic footprint expanding, mm -hmm. anything else new from the international perspective that people would be interested to know about? Well, uh, we are going to continue to expand our coverage. I talked about the fact that we now have a global footprint. Uh, and what customers can expand, uh, expect is continued expansion of our coverage as well as, uh, con uh, you know, in the form of countries, but also continued expandage of our coverage within countries. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we recognize that uh, providing those specialized content solutions above and beyond the road network are important, and we continue to uh, to add new sources all the time. So they can expect uh, significant uh, expansions of what our product offering is within the country.
Thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Enjoy the conversation. Same here. And we'll get a chance to do it again. Okay. Um,